This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. You're listening to Bingeworthy, the episodic television and long-form narrative conversation on the Playlist Podcast Network and theplaylist.net. Here's your host, Kimber Myers. Hello and welcome to Bingeworthy, the Playlist TV podcast. I'm your host, Kimber Myers, and with me today I have a guest who's also a Playlist writer, Allie Johnson. Hi, I'm excited to be a part of this one. (laughs) Awesome. So Allie writes for the Playlist and she's also the film editor at theyoungfolks.com and you can find her on Twitter at at Allie, A L L Y S O N A J. So we'll be sure to have plenty of fun stuff to talk about. She's a great follow on Twitter. Um, yeah. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about two shows on the CW that both Allie and I love. Um, they they have a little bit in common, other than just their their network. They're two shows with a female showrunner. And they're two shows that aren't really typical in their approach to the one-hour drama format for a variety of reasons. And so we're going to focus first on Jane the Virgin, and then we're going to move on to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And both of these shows have just finished up their first half of their season and are uh, taking a little bit of a winter break, which is going to be painful for, for fans like Allie and me. Um, so to start with Jane the Virgin, just to give everyone a little bit of an overview of the plot, um, even though we'll probably go a little bit into spoilers just because with a show that is uh, very much driven by all of the crazy events, it would be, I think, a little bit hard for us to talk about Jane the Virgin without going too much into the plot. But the basic overview is that uh, despite being a virgin, Jane Villanueva, who's played by Gina Rodriguez, gets pregnant when she goes to her gynecologist for a pap smear and accidentally gets the artificial insemination intended for the woman in the room next door. And uh, the first two seasons uh, found her having to choose between her baby's father, the super handsome Rafael Solano, played by Justin Baldoni, and her then-fiancé Michael Cordero, played by Brett Deer. That's kind of the, the quick, soapy telenovela rundown of of the show how did you come to Jane the Virgin Allie um a little late in all honesty um <laughs> because I knew there had been all the hype around it I just hadn't taken the time but somebody on the other site that I write for adored it and wrote Britain's great reviews for it each week and I kind of got sucked into her enthusiasm mm-hmm. and so I started binging it <laughs> which <laughs> is how I do most TV shows these days. But, um, yeah, and once I, once I started watching it, it's hard to not keep pressing play for the next episode. <laughs> um, They're very so, good yeah. with those, uh, those cliffhangers. Yes, very much so. And then, um, yeah, so essentially I just got sucked in, like anybody else, just a little later than I think most people who jumped on the hype train. Yeah, I think that's one of the interesting things is that it's a show that's certainly built 
in terms of the people who watch it. I know ratings are kind of all over the place, but for a network like the CW where a lot of the the viewing is is built to not be linear when when the show airs on on Monday night just because it skews a little bit more demo uh, the demo skews a little bit younger and more digitally savvy so I, I keep telling myself that these things don't matter but um, yeah I think from my experience a lot of people came to it later especially when the first season became available on Netflix I think that that was a really great way for for people to to catch up and to continue to to catch up um, so yeah, it's it's a little bit I think of a, a slow, quiet start. Nobody I think at least three years ago when when the show launched, um, I don't think people expected this type of show from the CW, but I think they've really done a lot in the last few years between Jane the Virgin as well as with Crazy Ex Girlfriend to really change the perception of the network as a whole. Yeah, definitely. And I do think people probably were put off like with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, <laughs> yes, with the title. Yes. So I think there's a lot of people who maybe had to wait until those um, reviews started coming in and reactions of people saying, oh, this is really good because who was clamoring to see a show called Jane the Virgin? Exactly. So I don't <laughs> So yeah, I was like a little dubious about it at first. But yeah, again, I was swept in by everybody else's enthusiasm of it. Yeah, and I, I've yet to meet somebody who watches it and isn't really won over by by the show by Jane um and so I think it's just a matter of of people people watching which is is always the the battle with with some of these smaller shows but but speaking of that title and a little bit of Mm -hmm. a spoiler although I feel like a lot of places have spoiled this in headlines um Jane is no longer a virgin um, which the show itself even kind of plays with when they reveal the title um, in each episode. But what do you think about the show's approach to female sexuality? Refreshing <laughs> a little bit um, because it's not like like they showed firstly, they showed that she was always interested. You know, it was just her own personal belief system mm-hmm. that allowed her to wait. Um, but I thought the whole dealing with the first time and everything is showing that it was a little awkward. Um, I thought, I don't know. I just, I find it to be overall refreshing to see that she has such an agency over her own belief systems and how she's going to use her sexuality and whatnot. And, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of a really nice way to put it, but no, I, I just you're... keep coming back to her. You're nailing it. Um, I like, too, that it seems not only accepting of of Jane's choices, but also really accepting of every woman's choice. And there's definitely a variety of of women taking different options. It's very respectful of Jane wanting to wait till marriage, but whether they're focusing on Zoe, her mother, and her choices, or or Petra, who uh, is... Uh, the the foil in a lot of ways, particularly um, in the first two seasons, romantically because she was married to Raphael um, and then later carried his baby after some truly telenovela worthy uh, <laughs> machinations. But uh, yeah, so they're they're really focusing on it in a way that I think is interesting. And um, how do you feel about all of the telenovela twists, like Petra? <laughs> 
using Raphael's leftover sperm to inseminate it herself. keeps it interesting for sure but I think it's a mark of how good the show is that we're never like sitting there and thinking oh well that was too far or that was too much of a twist like that's just ridiculous now like we're always just kind of going with it mm-hmm. and I think it shows how well they've been able to like establish these characters in this world so that it never feels like a leap that Petra would do this <laughs> or anything to do with her family for instance or you know Jane's long lost family members like I think that you know if you just read what happens mm-hmm. in the show you're like this makes no sense this is ridiculous why is everybody fawning over this soap opera essentially but you watch it and it's just it doesn't feel ridiculous it feels completely natural within the context of the world so I like it because it keeps it interesting but I also like it because I'm not distracted by the twists like I'm always excited about what's going to happen next agreed and I feel like the the pace with which they've packed in um these these plot twists and just plot overall is is very interesting and kind of a contrast to to some of the other shows that can move a little bit more slowly. When I look at like season long recaps, I'm like, how did they pack all of that <laughs> into into that few of hours? I know, and I think it is also a mark just of um, the CW in general. I feel like all of their shows kind of move at a certain clip, mm-hmm. uh, uh, opposed to other series. But I think Jane the Virgin does it the best because again it's like it is rushing through it in theory but it just works so well so you just you're getting a lot of storyline in one season totally yeah and I think that that's an interesting comparison to the other shows on the CW I think in addition to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend the old the only other one I'm watching right now is uh, is The Flash. <laughs> are, are you watching anything else besides these two? Oh, I am watching a lot on the CW. I feel like I always have to like defend it a little bit, <laughs> but like it comes with a disclaimer. But um, yeah, no, I do. I watch quite a bit on the CW, in all honesty, because I enjoy my fun um stress-free shows (laughs) yeah no I think that that's great and I think it's at the point too where you don't have to defend it anymore they are like to think so yeah but (laughs) you run into certain people but yeah no I've been watching things like the 100 and I zombie for a while now too oh I forgot about the 100 because it's off season the 100's great too yes yeah so much they really are doing some interesting things there as well um yeah, so circling back to to Jane the Virgin, I so on I think it was the second to last episode of this season, they spent a lot of time really invested in the idea of suspense and played with a lot of Hitchcockian tropes throughout the the show, both in terms of the the themes and the visuals. And I love how there's so much more going on than just a telenovela or even just a very strongly done show about a female protagonist, but that it's really doing interesting things stylistically. Yeah. And it, I love that it, it's both the interests of obviously the filmmakers and the writers of the show coming through the series. Like, you know, the fact that they must have been thrilled that they got to do these homages to Hitchcock, <laughs> but also that it's steeped in the character's own interests. You know, and it's them visualizing their own life and things that they love. Um, I thought the whole everything to do with um, 
the Hitchcock homages were so well done and so well earned by the episode's end. And I love seeing the show get to do things like that. Or like whenever they do their dream sequences. Yes. Um, there was the episode a couple, a uh, few episodes ago where Zoe um, decides she wants to open her own dance school and it kind of breaks into that <laughs> musical number. Uh-huh. Which usually would put me into a secondhand embarrassment, embarrassment <laughs> moment <laughs> or I'm just kind of cringing. But again, it just works so well um, because again, you're a, you know these characters and the kind of larger-than-life theatrics that go along with them. Um, so, yeah, I, I loved that episode with the with all the Hitchcock call, callbacks. I thought it was great. It was, it was great. And I thought it was fun both for um, people like you and me who are coming from kind of the film geek side of things, but I also thought it was a great way to show people who might be less familiar the merits of Alfred Hitchcock, which you wouldn't think that you'd come to the CW and would get that kind of nudge no. toward. <laughs> I just love film the canon. idea that somebody's going to go and like get Vertigo and yeah. say it's because they saw it reference on Jane the Virgin. Like, I think that's fantastic and shows such like a merging of worlds. Totally. <laughs> and I think they've done a lot of great education in the past without feeling didactic as, as well, whether they both I think they and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and it might have been in the same week both did call outs to the Bechtel test um, Jane the Virgin has been really wonderful about sharing more about immigration issues especially with the the plight of Jane's abuela um, and it's it's this perfect combination of it feels light and fluffy at times but it doesn't hesitate to really dive into issues and it certainly doesn't hesitate to um, make me cry on, on the regular. <laughs> yeah, no, I got very slept up in a recent episode even. Um, and yeah, the, the talking about like real life issues and the things like immigration, like you mentioned, I do love that when they do inform people and they want to have like a teaching moment so to speak mm -hmm. they use the hashtag system I remember <laughs> it was like what in season one um where they're talking about um people take being taken from their homes and everything and they did like a hashtag that said yes this really happens and then it like had a link of where to go help and I thought that was so like I mean it was it kind of took you out of the moment just for a second because it's so real. But mm -hmm. I also thought it was a clever way to get that message across, especially to a show that is skewering a little younger um, or the younger demographic, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I loved how they handled all their they've never compromised, I guess, their overall message. And I think that's really nice to see in a show that has gained some popularity. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's been wonderful that they're able to be really authentic in that way um, while still being incredibly entertaining and great, great TV there. Um, so I am going to go, I guess, into the final moment of the of the uh, mid-season finale. So if anybody is not caught up, <laughs> you can you can skip ahead a little bit here before we go into Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. But in a show where family means so much, what do you think that it meant for Raphael to discover that he is not a Solano? 
Um, I mean, I think we saw it a little bit with his face. I like, you know, it's world changing, but yeah. I also think that it means different things to him than it would if like Jane found out the same thing about her family. Um, because, you know, he's obviously always been a bit of the odd one out within his family just because so many of his families have like been involved in <laughs> like criminal activities. Yeah. So I, but yeah, I think it's going to be world changing for him. And I think it's actually a really rich storytelling opportunity to give Raphael because I feel like he hasn't always had the best individual storylines. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I felt really moved by him in the performance in this last episode. Um, so, but yeah, I definitely think it's going to send him for a bit of a rough patch, but I'm excited to see where the storyline goes because I think it could just offer up some really interesting opportunities for the character. Yeah. I am really glad that they're giving him a bit more to do since the love triangle has, has moved on. They've moved on a little bit from the love triangle aspect of the show, which even though I was team Raphael, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that they're able to really sustain the drama without that being the focus. And I love that they're like a unit. Um, yes. Like, I like that he's just hanging out in their kitchen and they're all like kind of working through this weird dynamic that they have. But I was also Team Raphael and I felt <laughs> in the minority. <laughs> but I did too. So I'm, I'm glad that, not that it wouldn't have provided some, uh, some great, great debate whether we're, we're Team Raphael or, or Team Michael, but I, I am glad to have found a fellow person on that side of <laughs> it's things. It's a rarity. It so is. I understand. Hey, folks, we're cutting in for a second. There's not just Bingeworthy, our TV podcast. The Playlist Podcast Network also features our mothership, the creatively titled The Playlist Podcast, Playlist Podcast editor Eric McClanahan's Adjust Your Tracking, and the Over Under Podcast, which talks overrated and underrated movies. You can subscribe to all these podcasts on the Playlist Podcast on iTunes. Yes, we do love that name. They're all there in one place. Please rate us, leave us a comment, and uh, tell a friend. Okay, back to the show. So let's go ahead and move on to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is is created by Rachel Bloom and Aileen Brosh McKenna. And I, I almost when I'm describing the plot, it's really hard not to launch into the first season theme song, which plays out <laughs> the whole plot. But nobody wants to hear me screaming that into the uh, the mic, especially since I feel like there's no way to really do it without singing loudly. So, <laughs> uh, so Rachel Bloom's Rebecca Bunch is a successful, but unhappy New York lawyer who runs into Josh Chan, who was her summer camp crush back when she was a teenager, and he's played by the wonderful Vincent Rodriguez III, and she follows him back to West Covina, California, which is also hard to say without singing, Um, and she (laughs) uh, deludes herself and everyone out there that she didn't follow him there, and that's not the reason why she's there, to varying degrees of of success uh it's now in its second season and the the hook with crazy ex-girlfriend is that there are multiple musical numbers per episode um and a variety of different styles um so i guess first off what do you think of of the musical elements as it is so unique to television other than those those brief moments in jane the virgin this season (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, I love it just because I've loved so many of the songs. And I love it when TV series do something that's a little new and singular to what they're trying to do within the show mm-hmm. so i mean it was it was certainly never a detractor <laughs> to me that it was going like that there were going to be musical moments um uh, but yeah no i was i was pretty thrilled that was this was a show where i kind of jumped on the bandwagon immediately uh-huh. so nothing about the show ever like repelled me except for the title but the song the musical element um yeah, I was just, I was kind of thrilled about it because I thought it was such a clever way to dance around the tropes of the show and it makes it kind of larger than life also in the same way that Jane the Virgin is with the telenovela like aspects. So it just, it made it more theatrical and that's something that I guess sometimes I'm drawn to. <laughs> so I was, I don't know. Yeah, I was pretty excited, I guess. And it gives me something to listen to sometimes, you know? The sexy getting ready song is kind of just fun to put on. <laughs> so picking these songs to file through. Yeah, yeah. That is definitely one of one of my favorites that it is and was I think such a nice intro to the show and to Rachel Bloom's way of looking <laughs> at the world. Yeah. If you ever needed to know like if this show is for <clears throat> you, just watch that clip. And maybe watch the unrated one on YouTube. <laughs> and, and, like, if it's too much, like, it's probably not going to be the show you fall in love with. But I thought, you know, that right when I saw it, I was like, okay, I am in this and I'm ready to watch this show. <laughs> yeah, I think it's this kind of, I, I agree, it's a perfect distillation of a lot of what the show is trying to do in terms of its very feminist voice and really addressing the, the issues that, that women have and whether it's on a larger scale of um, women in the workplace and how we how we respond in relationships or something as seemingly small as getting ready for a date <laughs> is uh, is pretty wonderful and I like that there's like the the rap break in and discussing you know how difficult the patriarchy is and then uh the little like throwaway line around ass blood so um yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no it's fantastic it's yeah. like it's really in your face and i love it <laughs> yeah if you're scared off by any of that then then the show is is not for you but i think for people who do discover it and they are on the same wavelength as bloom and aileen brosh mckenna it's a a wonderful thing. Do you have other favorite songs besides Sexy Getting Ready song? Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I have so many. I have a lot from the first season. You know, I, I really was charmed by Settle For Me. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> like, at that point, it was like, because up until then, I was kind of like, not getting the pull between Greg and Josh. But then I was like, oh, he's so charming. Look at him sing and dance. <laughs> but, uh, but then um, I also, I love You Stupid Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that one like, is great. I, I think it is like, it epitomizes like what this show is about and all of Rachel's, or sorry, Rebecca's inner demons. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, because like it's ridiculous in like when you're watching it and what she's saying is so like um uh, like surface level but like 
when you watch her perform it and you think of all the backstory that's led her to that moment, like it's kind of heartbreaking because you're realizing that here's this character actually realizing how much she screwed up and yeah. it's so like full of self-loathing. Um, so like I don't replay it often, but it was like one of my favorite musical moments. Um, and then the villain of my own story from last season. I was hoping you'd bring that one up. I yeah, yeah. Just... I, oh, that was so good. That And it's oddly catchy. It's super <laughs> catchy. And also, like, for anybody that hasn't heard it, A, you should go um, go Google that now and, and watch it. It is even outside of the show. I think it's very charming and funny and insightful. Um, but also, like, the, the voice that, that Bloom uses to sing it, which is very much like a... Uh, like a witch in a Disney movie, which is also kind of a nice like throwback to um, the the song that she did before the show started. I'm blanking on the name, but about like the Disney, the real life of Disney princesses or something like that. But um, yeah, I I think it's really really funny and very well done. And uh, Rachel Bloom is a an absolute champ, and I don't know how she has time to like sleep or. <laughs> Um, or eat. I don't feel like she doesn't that much. Yeah. <laughs> this is the like manic energy that she brings to this character. You know, it has to be somebody who's living mainly on caffeine. <laughs> like, I just, she is incredible as this character. Um, and yeah, the villain of my own story really showcases, I feel, all of her talents and like the weird specific talents that she brings to this character. Um, because we still walk away really liking her and rooting for her, even though she just admitted that she's causing all the problems. <laughs> Completely. Sometimes it's a little bit hard to to watch when she's being so self-destructive, but Rachel Bloom is such a strong actress, and she and uh, the writers have created such a strong character that regardless of the awful things she's doing to herself or to other people um it's you you can't not watch even though i'm like i feel like i'm watching a horror movie sometimes through like parted fingers oh my gosh (laughs) yeah it was last season where she sent the text to um josh instead of paul that actually like struck some kind of panic in me (laughs) because a i understand that moment yeah um it is a very modern moment (laughs) yes way everybody reacted and rallied around her showcased like how modern it is um but also they just they played it out with so much tension that that secondhand embarrassment thing i was talking about with jane the virgin it was full-blown with (laughs) crazy ex-girlfriend but and it doesn't exactly you know it's not necessarily going to end out well so no yeah yeah this isn't this isn't the show to come to if you want a tidy happy ending um no not at all which, which is why i love it but yeah completely. <laughs> yeah i like to how this season has transitioned especially in the last uh, few episodes from i think when the show started off a lot of people were really focusing on the love triangle between rebecca and josh chan and greg um, who's played by uh, Santino Fontana, I believe, and um, who is just so wonderful. Although now I'm very sad that I have to refer to him in the past tense on the show because he's left. 
You know, at first, I thought I was going to be bummed out because I did find myself towards the end. I was like, you know, Greg and Rebecca do make a certain sense once they've dealt with their own problems and have become healthier human beings. Then I could be like, those two should get together. Um, but I think him leaving has actually opened up the series to more opportunities to explore things past romance. And I have found myself since he's left more invested in her relationship with Paula and her new friendship with Valencia and Heather. Um, like I found it more intriguing and I'm more invested and I'm more hopeful that they all stick together than I ever was hoping that she got with Josh and Greg. So I think, yeah, like, I don't know. I just like, I'm going to miss his voice in particular. Like, I think he brought a lot to musical numbers. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, his self-deprecation was fun in smaller doses, but I was never so much team Rebecca and Greg or like, involved in the romance that like I'm bummed that he's gone if anything I think it's giving characters like white Josh more time to um, shine so I think I don't know I think it's it's disappointing but I think it's opened it up to a lot of cool new relationships to explore agreed I I really love in particular the way that this season is focusing more on that like friend they're not fully broken up but the the struggles that she and paula who's played by the amazing donalyn champlin um are are going through and it's wonderful to see a show that's so focused on female friendships and that that really has been more the dominant relationship this season yeah um i like i actively seek out shows and movies that encourage the idea of female friendship because uh, I feel like it's a rarity I feel like you don't see shows that are so invested in women and the relationships they have with each other which is something I forgot to mention with Jane the Virgin but her relationship with her mom and her oh, grandmother you know yeah. like that's so important and like significant to the series and the same thing with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is that her relationship with Paula has always been more of the heart of the series and her relationship with Josh. You know, like, we are always watching the ups and downs of that relationship and kind of weird mother-daughter um, themes going on with it. But, yeah, now this season, again, I, I could not even be more thrilled with seeing her, Valencia, and Heather hanging out because I'm just like, that is a dynamic that I want to see more of. Um, I've been oddly invested in Valencia's character since day one. (laughs) And I always thought that she was kind of being like pushed aside for no, I mean, she was kind of hard to deal with, but Mm -hmm. I always wanted to know more about her character. So I, I don't know. I just, I genuinely am feeling even more invested than I already was in the series. Now that they're highlighting all the female dynamics on the show. Agreed. Um, I, I'm really excited to see where they go in this back half of the season. And I'm right with you. Like the more we get of Valencia and I really, I think Heather is such a wonderful, weird character. <laughs> I mean, they're all wonderful, weird characters, but um, she's, I, I've really enjoyed the additional depth we've gotten to her character this season. And I'm hoping that we get more but yeah this I'm just looking at the cast list now and I'm like this bench is so deep between as you mentioned White Josh is great (laughs) and uh, Rebecca's boss 
Daryl Whitefeather is really wonderful and there's just there are a lot of weirdos in this group but all in in this way that while the the show is pretty heightened um in terms of the drama and and all of that but it they all feel very real and and authentic characters yeah and you mentioned heather being the oddball and i just want to touch upon that like it's so funny that she's also the voice of reason kind of (laughs) between valencia and rebecca and yet she's just such a little oddball in her own way um and i just love that they show that even the person who's essentially in this kind of series the straight man character can also be completely ridiculous in their own moments <laughs> totally. um, like i just i i've loved them using her more and i hope they continue to and i think she deserves her own real solo soon um because her little like stuck in the bathroom song oh was fantastic and I wanted more of it (laughs) yeah she's I I really struggle with like oh this is my favorite moment or this is my favorite character and then five seconds later it's someone else just because every element is so strong and feels it's even two years and it still feels very fresh and like like not much else that's on tv or anywhere in media really yeah, I couldn't compare this to anything, I think. <laughs> if somebody was like, oh, what's it like to try to get them into the show? I'd be like, I really can't answer that for you. <laughs> because it's its own entity, and that's why I think people are such fans of it, because they're looking for something that breaks the status quo of television dramas. Completely. So, I, or comedy, I guess that's what this is kind of labeled as, but it seems really dramatic <laughs> at times. Totally. Yeah, and I think... That your advice for anybody who who hasn't watched Crazy Ex Girlfriend, um, if you if you've stuck in this long, the um, the the best way to get a flavor for the show, like you said, is to watch the sexy getting ready song video, and ideally the uncensored one to just really really get some insight into this wonderful little show that. I think we really, really want to do well. It was moved to to Friday this year, which is um, less of a death knell on the CW than it might be elsewhere. But the show just still deserves... slightly concerning. Yeah, and it just and I know part of that is that they have to have like one of the superhero shows every night and and things like that. Um, at least for the first part of the week, but um, it's. The show deserves so many more people to watch it and to love it and to fall in love with its its oddball characters and its its songs. So please, please watch these two. <laughs> um, but but thank you for joining me this week, Allie. It's been wonderful to to chat with you about these these two shows that we're both really passionate about. And again, you can check out Allie's work on, of course, the playlist, as well as theyoungfolks.com. You can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes. And you can also find the podcast posted on our home, theplaylist.net. On iTunes, please subscribe and consider leaving a comment or rate our pod. All feedback is appreciated. You can find me at the creatively titled at Kimber Myers, M-Y-E-R-S, on Twitter. And we'll see you next time.